Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. We got a great sports podcast for you in the best month of the year for sports, in my opinion. It's October. Baseball's going. Football's going. Pro and college. Got basketball and hockey starting. And I'm joined by a couple of guys this week to get us in the mood and get us up to speed on everything that's happening. First, Tom Weisenbach rejoins the show, calling from Philly, where they're having their Philly sports renaissance with the Phillies in the NLCS, the Eagles, the only undefeated team left in the NFL, and uh, the basketball season starting for his Sixers and many other teams. We talk about the start of basketball season, baseball playoffs, the upsets in the NL, the chalk in the Astros and Yankees that have kept going in the AL. We break all that down with Tom Weisenbach, and then we look ahead to the NFL with my guy Ryan Souls. A couple of Eagles fans on today's show. We talk about the Eagles. We talk about that epic Chiefs and Bills game. Josh Allen coming out victorious over Patrick Mahomes. Who else is good, especially in the NFC? We break down all the news and notes from the NFL with Ryan Souls. The Money Mitch Effect starts right now. Let's get to it. All right, back again here on the Money Mitch Effect with my guy Tom Weisenbach calling in from Philly. Uh, during the Philly sports renaissance, I think, because you got the Eagles were undefeated, the, the Phillies are in this improbable run to the NLCS, Sixers start tonight, and, you know, they got they got title aspirations. The Flyers actually look good, too. Tom, this is uh, – you guys are hitting on all cylinders, but welcome back to the show. You know, we had one of the most entertaining and successful um, Philly sports weekends uh, of – certainly my lifetime and many, many of uh, people of my age, father's lifetime. And uh, you know what, when I know when that happens, when Philly sports is, uh, is going good, you know, what's going to happen. I can always depend on it. Mitch Michaels gives me a call. So it's, it's a good time uh, to be a Philadelphia fan and be on with you. Yeah. I was going to also say, I mean, I didn't want to, want you to get too high. I was going to be like, Doc Rivers hasn't messed up a playoff rotation yet. So it's a great time to be a well, Philly sports fan. In about ten minutes, he might be able to uh, mess up some 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 aspect of a game. I am actually really uh, impressed with uh, your Flyers starting two and zero. I know they're playing tonight too, but I think you know Tortorella there, and it could get some momentum there. But the the point being that I think it's just you know obviously you're clicking on all cylinders, and there's a lot of different ways to to go with this. Uh, I wanted to just focus a lot of this on baseball. We're in the MLB playoffs, and uh, they did it differently this year. An extra playoff team, the three game series. Uh, for the wild card round. I had this like suspicion, maybe prediction, just kind of intuition that I thought there'd be some upsets because, you know, there's more, there's an extra day of resting. There's an extra day of waiting. We did have two upsets, both in the NL. And one of them was your six seed Phillies, Tom, just flipping the narrative and flipping the script of a team that, you know, for the better part of the year was not, was underachieving, had injury issues, was third in their own division and uh, yet here we are, the last team left standing, and they move on. They get to the NLCS. This had to be something that was just completely off your radar about three weeks ago. Uh, absolutely. I think the narrative around this team was, well, a little bit of um, September apprehension based off of recent pasts over the last five-plus years with this with this core group of guys just collapsing in, in September, uh, NOLA being the headliner for that category. And um, – had a couple of lackluster performances, but you know what? They kind of managed the roster and the rotation to, to do just enough to make the postseason. And we're seeing that that kind of model kind of play out in the National League, at least this year, where what's the incentive to, to set a record and, and win 100 and some games and play all, your, play all of your starters every day like the Atlanta Braves did after such a, a long um, journey in, into the postseason for them? We're getting the teams that squeaked in that are peaking healthily at the same at the right yeah. time, and they catch lightning in a bottle. and And you say that all too often with these um, with these uh, playoffs in any sport. Mm -hmm. I, I have a bigger. I mean, we're going to get to the, back to the Phillies in a second, but you know, the idea that the best teams aren't winning and that there's these shorter series, I personally love it. I don't think. We should go to just best of seven for every single round, and then how would you do that? Is there you know eight teams total? I think it's great. I want there to be best of five back in the first round of the NBA. I think it, it leads to excitement, and you saw it in the Phillies ballpark in, in your game. I mean, it was bumping for games three and four, and I think that doesn't necessarily happen if it's a best of seven series. So I don't know where you stand on this, but I, I think the short series, you know, maybe the rest might be an issue in terms of teams that have to 
sit out, wait a couple of days when they get the bye. But I love best of five in the division round. Yeah, and this this year it's a little more strange because of the delay with the season starting and and the, the labor disagreement. Mm-hmm. So those off days and the scheduling, like I was a little not upset, but a, I noticed that there was a, a planned off day with the ALCS. Of course, that ends up being the mm-hmm. series that has two rain delays or rain postponements, and now the Yankees have to travel to to Houston and play tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, that just seems like a scheduling mishap where they, they missed an opportunity to schedule that game. But I digress. The uh, I, I like the shorter series myself. I think that it, it lends itself to that March Madness aspect, and yeah. it still values the regular season in that a buy and rest is valuable, but it's, you know, the Yankees and the Astros were able to advance. It's not, uh, it's something all the teams had to go through, uh, but it's, it's kind of the that first four. I feel like when they first introduced the first four in in the March Madness tournament, one of those teams ended up getting to the Sweet Sixteen every year, and that's kind of what you're what you have here is that you get that first couple of games out of the way on, on the road for some of these upsets, and um, if you can survive that, you, you can survive anything. So the team yeah. comes closer together on the road. Um, the Phillies specifically ended ended the season on a 17 game road trip. It turned out, and haven't seen them more happy uh, to them to come home to the crowd and, and the reception they received for the for the weekend okay. game. Well, I will also say that it all changed, and that's the beauty of baseball. That's the beauty of sports and playoff sports. Is that Cardinals game one ninth inning? I mean, if that doesn't happen, we're probably not having this conversation right now. And uh, that happens. They have a great pitching performance in game two, eliminate the Cardinals on the road. And then the bats come alive in this one. It was Bryce Harper. It was all the heavyweights that either had stepped up, hadn't really done it consistently, or just hadn't had their moments yet. You had Harper going yard. Schwarber was still a beast, real muto. Um, and Hoskins even got in on the action. So I thought that was kind of, you know, shows you that the Phillies roster, why they were so predicted to do well and be a factor. I think the bats did come alive and, and play well. I'm, I'm shocked that they're getting the Padres. You know, the Dodgers going out was more startling to me than – what the Phillies did in knocking off the Braves, even though the Braves were the defending champs, Tom, because this has never happened before. The Padres lost all six series in the regular season of the Dodgers, and yet they win in four games. It was the most remarkable upset so far. Yeah, one of the things that um, that I've noticed anyway was just one player, Josh Hader, um, changing teams. The Brewers end up tanking and, and, and missing the playoffs. Yeah. Meanwhile, the uh, he's a key cog on this, Second, you know, well, first wild card team, but one game difference from being the second wild card team, Padres team, and, and being the catalyst of their bullpen, and um, and just to complement their their amazing starting rotation, Joe yeah. checked the ears, Musgrove. That was that was mm-hmm. quite a moment. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know what, Buck Showalter doing that? I think that was just a great momentum try to momentum attempt at a change there. Uh, in the Mets series, it was but the last trick in the bag. <laughs> exactly, you're down. I, I get it. It's gamesmanship. The Dodgers Padres game four, especially that was that was the beauty of baseball, right? Like one half inning was the only half inning that the Padres were the better team, but they jumped all over and made plays. And I think for the Dodgers, for the bats to go cold for a team that wasn't really pushed as much during the regular season, I think their big thing was not addressing starting pitching and maybe assuming incorrectly that wait that Bueller would be back. And when that didn't happen, they were a little thin and. You know, credit to Soto, credit to the Padres for coming through. I'm, I'm really glad we're getting this matchup. It might not be, you know, the sexiest matchup before it's not Braves-Dodgers again. But these are two crowds in Philly's case that has been missing, has proven that they can, you know, rock the red, as you said. And then, of, of course, you have the Padres who had never really experienced this before. So those crowds are going to be nuts, obviously, going forward as well. Yeah, 1998 was the last time that the Padres were in the NLCS and and they've never won a World Series. So, and what is kind of further accentuates this is their pride in the Padres, even amplifies because of the move of the Chargers. I think mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's the only the only time the only game in town now is really the Padres. So they've really latched on to that as their identity and trade deadline acquisitions, and and they're doing this without their young star Fernando Tatis, who's on the shelf with the steroid. Um, yeah. And and the Suspension. team, so and, that, that's another thing to add. They could be even better. Yeah, or I mean, yes, but also maybe that's what pushed the team together. You know, hey, we don't have him anymore. Soto comes in. They kind of build around Hater. That's a great point. Him coming in 
really flipped it as well. That is a weapon in the pen. So the NL... But even then, Mitch, the the same can be said for the Phillies. I think these teams are mirror images of each other for Mm -hmm. the entire season. Even starting a few years ago with the top-notch free agent signings of Machado and Harper. Like, it starts then to build these teams and then Mm -hmm. kind of having to deal with all of their adversities, certain trade deadline acquisitions by savvy GMs, knocking off their division foe who had 100-plus wins. Like, they have the similar kind of story, the bullpen rounds in their form, the bats start to come alive, and it's going to be interesting to see how they match up in a seven-game series that we haven't seen the, any of these teams participate in, which makes it even more exciting to me anyway. And it's 2-3-2, two, two, which is a different kind of take on, on what you're used to. Yeah. Well, the NL, some new blood. The AL, unfortunately, old blood. Uh, we recording this right after the Guardians lose that Game 5 elimination to the Yankees. So the Yankees and the Astros meet again. And, you know, we can talk about why these teams, obviously these were the best two teams in the AL the entire season. They deserve to be playing in this game. They followed through in the playoffs in their division rounds. One team was testing the Yankees. The Astros won an 18-inning game uh, to complete a sweep, but smooth sailing otherwise for them. I, we can kind of get to why the Astros are going to be everyone's trendy pick, Tom, and I know the scheduling might hurt the Yankees having to have this rain delay and then play again and you know, the next day, the Astros are also just built to win playoff baseball. Like as much as people, myself included, might not be fans of what the Astros have done and how they've gone about doing it. This roster is just built for postseason success. So the, the Yankees are a live underdog, but there's no doubting why the Astros are a favorite. Yeah, I think that that's as fair an assessment as you can make. I mean, the one thing going for the Yankees is if Stanton and Judge can stay hot, mm-hmm. it seems like still win games if they can uh, provide provide the offense and they have enough pitching to kind of uh, stem the tide so to speak but in that Houston ballpark things strange things just always seem to happen and uh yes they do <laughs> boy that walk off home run was something too in that in their series yeah that was i know that it was trickier than than predicted but i mean alvarez my god it's like where did this guy i know who he is i know obviously where he came from but it's like where did he come from on the national scene cuz he's looking like the one guy you wouldn't want to pitch to more than anyone in baseball right now. And the Yankees, you mentioned Stanton and Judge. If they get going, Judge was pressing in the Cleveland series. Garrett Cole proved in, in an elimination game that he is a legit ace. My concerns with the Yankees are the bullpen, is the bullpen. And, you know, the fact that they're going to have less rest, they're not starting, I guess, from, from you know, scratch, from zero, whatever you want to say, with the uh, short day's rest and the five-game series. That's going to be an issue. But, yeah, the Yankees, 100%. They can just get one of the first two, get their bearings, go back to New York in an even series that can change the complexity. I really do love this 2-3-2 format. I, it, it lets the players settle in in their location. It, it, it really amplifies things. And that the one aspect of the National League aspect, if we go back to that, that I like that was the um, – the two divisions playing against each other and that it wasn't two teams that had to go across the country <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and face each other. But I think the fact that the Astros and the Yankees playing each other and the fact that the Yankees still have the firepower, I think the bullpen's been their question, but they can obviously score runs. I think the fact that you mentioned that the Astros, you know, crazy things could happen in that ballpark. I don't think the Yankees have ever really had a problem hitting the Houston pitching. It's just keeping them from destroying them, especially late in games. Everyone remembers El Tuve off of Chapman to go to the World Series a couple years ago. I, I expect runs to be be frequent in this series, and I just don't know that the arms in the Yankee pen are going to be enough in a seven-game series. Well, the fans are back in the stands, though, after this COVID, and I think that, that was really overshadowing the – the Houston cheating scandal kind of, they, they got away with it a little bit oh, with, without yeah. really having to deal with New York city is going to be crazy. New York city is going to be crazy yeah. for three games in the middle of that series is, is the only defense that I have to, to what you're laying out. Okay. Well, Hey, whatever happens, love playoff baseball. I'll be supporting either your Phillies or the Padres. So you have my word. <laughs> I want, a, I want a good, clean NLCS, and then whoever wins that, I want them to win. I want them to win. So let's just brew for health. But no, playoff baseball, can't beat it. It's great. Um, as we say, on to other sports here, Tom Weisenbach on the Money Mitch Effect. Would you agree with my assessment that October is the best sports month? I mean, you could throw like April or May in there, but there's just something about this month with everything going. 
Yeah, I think only rivaled by probably March in the one sport, mm-hmm. but in the, the playoffs ramping up for the others. But, yeah. but I, I, when they all collide in, in, in Philadelphia specifically, mm-hmm. kind of where I have my focus 90% of the time is through the big four sports. And even the union have, have crept in there being the first place in the East and college football, even in the middle of that, you can't deny that October uh, – certainly has its merits once everything starts up at least the tail end of the, of the month especially it seems like baseball is getting farther and farther down mm-hmm. and then um hockey and, and basketball seemingly starting a couple yeah. of weeks ahead of where we usually are it's great we're finally back to like the on schedule for the winter sports too i think that was the part that was missing too is that we didn't really have the jam-packed october with covid seasons being pushed and then delayed onwards so yeah, it's been great. Um, did want to mention quickly on college football. I mean, did you catch that any of that Alabama Tennessee game? I mean, what a what a win for a Tennessee program that has needed this result and finally has it after so many years. I was not able to catch it. I was at a wedding, but my lovely wife had the score up at the end of the game, and uh, I texted uh, the the most loyal Tennessee fan I knew and just reminded him we to all breathe. <laughs> we all did. We all did, and uh, uh, yeah. I was happy for him more than more than the program, to be honest. Yeah. So um, hopefully they can keep it up, and I'm always rooting for for the Volunteers and the and the, really the Wildcats of Kentucky and football anyway, because it's just nice those under the radar SEC teams to get some love every now and then. Yeah, some new blood's good. I mean, Tennessee is definitely old blood, but they haven't beaten Bama in the Saban era. Uh, Hooker to Hyatt five times in that game and really just being aggressive at the end. And Pulse having their moment at home with the fans that hadn't seen it. So uh, Tennessee. They used to be the lovable losers were like Georgia, and now yeah. they're the powerhouse. So yeah. I had to switch. Hey, yeah. Well, Tennessee-Georgia play uh, November 5th, and that's going to be a huge game, obviously, for implications. I don't want to dance on Alabama's grave because they've done this before, lost the game, then won the whole playoff. Um, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about Ohio State, but Michigan is still kind of lingering. Uh, I saw they actually did see the Michigan Penn State game uh, at a famous establishment that you're well aware of, and there was a lot of Michigan fans there. So I wore neutral colors, but I wanted to remind them, like, Big Brother's coming. You know, just settle down a little bit. Oh, man. There, there's been there's just been so much going on in uh, in the college football world, and I'm, I'm just, you know, excited for that as well. But we turn our attentions, Tom, to the NBA starting because I want to get your take on you know, starting with your Sixers, but also basketball being back. We know this season is just such a marathon. So I guess the bigger the bigger point, the bigger question being, what do you kind of look for early in the season? Because obviously there's really not much to be won until I would say post All Star break. But start of the season, whether it's your whether it's your Sixers or some of these other teams that are on the title shortlist, what do you like look for going into this start of a marathon season? I think uh, primarily with the Sixers in the main stay is monitoring the health of your superstars. So that's making sure Joel Embiid stays healthy throughout the entire year. Every time he goes down, you're supposed to hold your breath for it until he gets up. James Harden's hamstring has been a topic uh, since, since we acquired him. And um, essentially the storyline here is Tyrese Maxey and what is his feeling. And he's starting to pull up from the Trey Young area, the Seth Curry area. And if he can space the floor and have people pick him up from back there, it's going to be scary because people are going to have to keep that honest and and they're going to be able to space the floor and do whatever they want. They've added more veteran depth and shooting and three and D guys. And they've gotten rid of some of the younger players that had been the waiting in the wing, so to speak. So it's now or never for the Sixers. You know, what's so fascinating too, is that now the Eastern conference seems more fun and dare I say deeper than the West, which we've kind of all been waiting for. And I look at the Sixers and, you know, Harden is always going to be a question mark and I'm in the, until I see it in the playoffs, I don't know that I necessarily agree it, but I think that what the Sixers have done in terms of building this roster after the whole Ben Simmons uh, debacle has been pretty good. I think that they've done a good job and I think that, that there is quite a few contenders in the East where I just don't know if anything's going to change. If anything's going to just make me not want to just be like, let's see it in the playoffs because I think the Bucks are going to be back. The Celtics, obviously, though they had their, their off, <laughs> their off season issues. Um, the heat are not going to be a pushover. Uh, I don't know what to make of the nets. The Cavs actually got a little better too with the trade for Donovan Mitchell. So I think, it, I think it's just about staying healthy, as you said, and just trying to, you know, develop and winning games. 
winning games also padding your record, getting you know that good seating, but also having an identity. So I kind of know what to look for in the playoffs. But I don't know. I mean, do you would you say the East is deeper than the West? Because I feel like I named four or five teams that I trust to make a run this year. Yeah, I think the West is kind of that aging league. It's I say that slowly because I don't want to offend anybody. But yeah, I think it's it's the. <laughs> The who, teams who, that who offend who the Lakers? Oh, come on, like well the Lakers, the Suns. I think yeah. um, the the Warriors are continuing to get a year older. Mm-hmm. I versus kind of the youth that's moving west mm-hmm. or east, excuse me. But I yeah, I like the the Cavaliers roster. I think you you mentioned identity early on, and, and you know I'm noticing the Sixer side of things. So I the number one addition <laughs> to me is some of the tougher players. So Montrez Harrell, TJ Tucker, some of those identity tougher players that are mm-hmm. uh, not going to back down when it comes to playoff time. But I I mean, the East is, has always been deep. I think you have some of those up and coming teams as well that are those perennial seven, eight, nine seeds. And that six to 10 playoff area always gets people into it. It's that same concept that, that we just talked mm-hmm. about in baseball that, you know, win and get in and maybe you get hot and, yeah. and make a run. It doesn't happen as often as the underdogs making it in those longer seven-game series. But, yeah, early in the season, it's uh, it's spacing, it's coaching, it's it's making sure that they're executing what they've been working on and yeah. staying healthy. Yeah, I think the Celtics having to deal with the coaching thing might be more tricky than than being being you know publicized. I think that might be an adjustment where they have to go in with a new coach you know, kind of pulled from them. The last thing on the NBA I just wanted to bring up because I haven't actually talked about it, you know, since everything came out. The the Draymond Green situation with Jordan Poole, do you, did you have a direct reaction to, I guess, everything that went down, including the actual video of it? Yeah, I only really followed it passively, and to the extent of it is I've seen the video, and I don't – what else is there to it aside from, like, well, what, yeah. what made him – Right. Do that. I don't think there was any anything that he could have said that really would warrant that in the middle of practice. I think they're grown men and they probably should have, you know, sat down and discussed it in <laughs> private if, if they had an issue. But. Yeah. Yeah. And Poole gets the contract, so you wonder if it's money situations there. Um I guess I guess the video does change things and, and normally I would say it wouldn't, but I'm I'm about as lenient towards teammates getting into it, maybe even fighting at practices at just about all competitive levels. Um, I thought Damian Lillard actually had a great perspective on it. Like that should be behind closed doors in the locker room. Uh, I didn't have a problem with necessarily uh, an altercation having to have taken place. I just think it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the most honorable way to fight someone if you're going to do it. And I thought that was bordering on the lines of kind of a sucker punch situation. I know there must be more to it. So I'm not, you know, totally leaning into that take, but I just think that for Draymond to do that, it definitely seemed unwarranted. And I think if you're going to have an issue with someone, especially a teammate, that's something to be done behind closed doors. And if it gets to that point, okay, it gets to that point. But it didn't seem we like... Look at G- we look at Geno Smith. We look at, you right. know, even Steve Kerr, the coach of that right, team. Right, an and even, yeah, and even, like, obviously I think Jordan Poole could have done better to protect himself. I think that's, you know, something he could be <laughs> better suited to do. And the Steve Kerr-Michael Jordan story having something happen in the middle of a heated, you know, game, I think is even more, I'm not say warranted, but understandable. That just didn't look right to me. So... I don't, I don't want to say he can't overcome it. I think, obviously, teammates can go through highs and lows together. Um, but it definitely didn't look good. And I'm interested to see if you know how this impacts them going forward and if the Warriors are going to commit to Draymond long-term. Not that this is the one thing that's going to determine that, but it might have something to. Yeah, I, w- I would say like it's kind of bringing up the visualization of Aaron Donald swinging his helmet in training <laughs> camp, right? Yeah. It's kind of that same ish story the issue is the weapon in question was a fist versus a helmet but it should be treated the same i feel that it's still it's something that there's video of in that behind the scenes setting the difference of course being it was different teams that were coming going at each other and not the same team but yeah it's it's unfortunate that we have to talk you know someone shoving somebody on the sideline and and now getting charged with assault it's it's just a part of today's landscape of the different you know actions that that athletes do last thing tom this has been fun chatting sports with you i know you got your big game tonight i'll let you get going um 
How how much riding high are we on the Eagles? Are we thinking now it's like Super Bowl or bust? Because I know the landscape of the NFL isn't, you know, it's great surrounding. There may only be three good teams in football right now. Where are we at with the Eagles and just how excited are you going forward? You know what? That's, what's interesting is that on an Eagles-Dallas week, I don't know if Sports Talk Radio had, uh, you know, the hour or two to the five hours of Phillies discussion. So it's really great to see mm. a six and zero team get you know the second shrift for a week, <laughs> and now going into the bye at six and zero, allowing the baseball team to have the headlines for yeah. this week. Really great for the NFL schedule it that way. I know they they had a hand in figuring that all out. Um, no, the no Eagles. I think what I'm having a hard time doing is going down the schedule and finding a loss, and and that's. That's the scary part of it is I don't think they're that good either. You know what I mean? I don't think they've reached their peak at at the top performance that they can have. And in reality, I think the Giants are better than we're giving them credit. Mm. They may have a more impressive resume at five and one. Yeah, I I like that perspective. I do. And I think that trying to still improve. I mean, that's the one thing because we have seen teams get hot, start the season hot and then fizzle out. And it might be because they weren't as good or it might be because complacency seeps in. So that will be the challenge. And I think the landscape, kind of everybody faltering around them, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but that's something to kind of consider. Um, everybody they haven't can, played a full yeah. game yeah. yet, and I still have kind of been sleeping through the fourth quarter of every single game. <laughs> yeah, you might not be the only one. Uh, yeah, it's been great to see Jalen Hurts' progression, though. And I do think a lot of that, he's been great. Don't want to take anything away from him, but... It's easier to play good when you have good players around you. So credit to the front office for getting some playmakers in that offense. And we've seen injuries can change the the mm-hmm. landscape of that. Even on Sunday night, Lane Johnson goes out, and that game completely changes. If Dak Prescott's in, and that's that's the name of the game, and and we talk about it all the time, Mitch is is the injuries. You don't prepare for them when you're handicapping things like this, but they do happen and they affect the outcome. So some guys are more apt to get injured see Joel Embiid from our previous discussion and others, um, you know, freak accidents happen all the time. So as it stands now, will other teams get better? Yes, I'm sure. But coming out of the bye week, they've got kind of a, a hapless Pittsburgh team, an identity list Pittsburgh team going into some of the AFC South teams. And, and it's going to be a while until I think they lose. So uh, hopefully they can keep it up. That's all I can ask for. Well, I'm excited for this Philly sports renaissance. Tom Weisenbach, thanks for joining the show. Um, highs and lows. So I guess the next time Philly's down, i got to get you on the show just to balance it out. But uh, good luck in your sports <laughs> fandom. Hope. Yeah, good luck in your sports fandom going into the uh, NLCS with the Phillies. And uh, thanks again for joining the Money Mitch Effect. All right, thanks, Mitch. All right, huge thanks again to Tom Weisenbach. A pleasure always chatting with him. We'll have to see how his baseball team, which won game one afterwards after we recorded the Phillies winning with a big bomb from Kyle Schwarber. Harper also going yard. Uh, Good performance by the Phillies in game one. ALCS starts tonight. Astros, uh, unfortunately, the Yankees with my Guardians not coming out on top. But a lot more baseball to be seen. Thanks again to Tom Weisenbach for joining the show. We're going to talk NFL now with Ryan Souls, a regular guest on this program. A lot to discuss what's wrong with Brady and Rodgers, the Eagles undefeated streak going forward, the Giants and Jets both keep winning. A lot, of t- lot to talk about in the NFL with Ryan Souls here now on the Money Mitch Effect. I'm feeling smooth, ain't nothing gonna phase me. Yeah, my emotions and harmony, yeah. Locked in talking NFL football six weeks in flying by again uh Ryan Souls joining us here Ryan I know you're riding high with the Eagles being six and zero, but bigger story is just how quickly everything's going by I don't like it I want to just savor it as much as I can man I agree you know I am riding high but to your point this season feels just so much quicker than the last couple seasons and I don't know if that was related to COVID or whatever but I can't believe we're in week six already. Yeah, it's it's nuts, man. It's maddening. And uh, got to appreciate what we get. And what we're getting is a lot of football, not a lot of it great. No, More, that's it. That was, that was no. my point. It's week six, and it's still a lot of no, bad football. There's just so much. I want to focus on the good. With all due respect to your Eagles, that Chiefs-Bills game, 
is the first thing I want to talk about because it's cool to see that a little that a rivalry is brewing that's just basically on the basis of competitiveness and nothing really, you know, not really ill will, just two teams that are built to be great for a long time, a lot of it due to their quarterbacks. They played a classic in Kansas City with the Bills winning. And the Bills win. I mean, it wasn't the high-scoring affair that we thought. There was more defense. There was points left on the table. But when it counted, the Bills stepped up. Josh Allen, the hurdle, the throws, Diggs stepping up, a young defense making plays. I know it's one regular season game, and in the grand scheme of things, we'll not really determine necessarily who wins the championship, though home field was at stake. But it's great to see this game. It's great to see the Bills have their moment in this stadium. And a team that, as you told me on a text, was being built to beat the Chiefs. They pulled it off in this regular season game. Yeah, man. And, you know, this I, I don't think this nowhere near been just the playoff loss, but I think this is a step in the right direction to making sure the road through the AFC goes through Buffalo and they, they are built for uh, a Super Bowl run. They are built to beat the Chiefs. And not saying that they will beat them again if they play them, but – they, they got stars in every level. They're well-coached. Josh Allen continues to just get better and better. Uh, I know I told you at the beginning of the year that I was a little curious if we were going to see a little dip in his play due to uh, the day ball exit because we've seen how big his impact has been on the Giants, and Josh Allen's play hasn't dipped at all. I think, you know, we talk about, you know, how good Stefan Diggs is, but Gabe Davis basically since the playoff run last year – end of this season has just been on a hot streak and man I, I you know I don't know if they're head and shoulders better than everybody else but they're gonna be tough to beat they are I think defensively they made some strides obviously Von Miller is a great uh, reason for that if the secondary yeah. continues to step up that's going to be huge you just trust this Bill's offense and it's crazy because you know Mahomes when he came into the league when he got his start and not to take anything away from him he made brilliant plays but he kind of just excelled right away. It was like a rocket ship. Like it took off and we were just all on the ride. Allen's first year was up and down and uneven, but he has gotten better significantly almost every single year. And I don't know how many more levels either of these guys can go. I just know that they're both, and, and Allen showed it. I mean, they're both gamers. And, you know, you just trust him out there to make the right play. I think the offense is built uh, so well. You know, they don't. You can say that they might not have a running game like a lot of these top teams don't have running games, but their quarterback's a good runner. So it's like, you know, maybe they do have a running game. But it was big for them to get this win. And if, if home field does go through Buffalo, again, nothing is guaranteed. But that could be huge if they get the one seed and they don't have to travel and we get these winter playoff games at Orchard Park. could really mean something. Oh, 100%. And I think it, it suits the way they play on, like, the Packers. Bills can play in cold weather and function in cold weather. And I think something, something underrated about Josh Allen, you know, we talk about how strong he is in the run game and, you know, how, you know, you can use a quarterback with 12 carries and you only get 32 yards, but the, the last drive of the game, you get the most meaningful yards possible and, mm -hmm. you know, numbers don't even matter. But I'll say just him in the pocket – you know, we used to – there were certain guys we needed to blitz or send pressure after. We could send safeties and corners, and you can't do that with Josh Allen. He, you're not going to tackle him. And if you send a linebacker, he's faster uh, most of the time, and he can move around. So I just think how you play him, even in the pocket with his accuracy getting right. better, just makes him tougher and tougher to beat. Right. It's like if he's what's he going to do? He's going to run around you. He's going to run through you, and now I guess over you. Like what, <laughs> what are we talking about here? <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's just going to run you off in the pocket. So it was just, it, he's, he's a full package, man. I mean, Diggs was emotional after the game. You can tell this was a game that they, they felt like they needed to have, and it meant a lot to them. I don't, I don't want to ever, you know, cast out on the Chiefs. And it's funny, we were talking about at the top all the teams that we think aren't great, like there's just a lot of bad or mediocre football. This loss takes nothing away. I still put them in that rare tier. They have Mahomes. The defense is actually playing a lot better. That would be the positive I take away, is that their defense isn't a pushover. That said... It's just a natural reaction, right? Like any offense is going to be better with Tyreek Hill in it. So we're going to always have that, well, what if Tyreek Hill was in the offense feeling? We know why they didn't make that deal long term, but in this year, that will be felt. Man, I, you know, and I talked about it at the beginning of the year when we had our preview show about how much, you know, they were going to miss Tyreek Hill. And they're still even only scoring 20 points on Sunday. 
the top scoring offense in the NFL. And I'm not worried about the offense, but I think there there's just situations. Uh, I think it was at the end of the half, Patrick Mahomes, they got him in field goal range, but there was a play where Tyreek Hill hits his head on the goalpost where the guy he hit gets tackled. I think even the interception at the end, and that's 100% on Patrick Mahomes, he didn't see the safety coming down. But if that's Tyreek Hill, he puts that ball further ahead where the uh, defender can't get it, and Tyreek probably scores on that play because there was nobody up top. So I, I just think there's moments like that where you're not always going to necessarily see it in the stat sheet. You're looking at this, okay, Juju had five for 113 and Kelsey had eight for 108. But having Cheetah on the field, it's just it just makes the, the dynamics of the offense entirely different. And unlike the Bills, where you have somebody like Diggs and somebody like Gabe Davis, Patrick Mahomes is going to have to be special all the time, I think, where Josh Allen may not have to be. I I agree with I agree with a lot of that I it's fine I, I don't want to I don't want to the last thing you said I mean Diggs is a proven star and I think Davis is getting there yeah he is kind of riding the Josh Allen wave to a point and I and Juju Smith Schuster playing well can be obviously what you said like Tyreek Hill no one is gonna, every team's going to be better with a guy like the cheat on the field like it's totally true I don't think that they're lacking skill guys. I just think that was such a weapon to have that deep threat that's kind of changed the approach. And look, I don't think that the receivers were the reason that they even lost this game. I just think they had to kind of reconstruct, reverse engineer, if you will, the offense. And there's still plenty of time. And and we're not doubting, I could speak for you here, because of the lack of strength in that division, that the Chiefs are going to be a factor late into this season. But It'll make you wonder in these big games, okay, what's the game plan when we need something quick? So, And maybe that's kind of the sense of urgency. you know. Because, look, the line is better. I'll take the positives away. The line's better. I think they still have playmakers. They're just going to have to be more methodical. And it's different to watch, but not to say it can't work. I mean, you know, there's a quarterback in, in Tampa that won a bunch of Super Bowls in New England playing methodically. So, um, oh, yeah. it, it's, it's just fascinating to see this new look of the Chiefs, but... Again, I don't I don't fault them for what they did because, you know, it's a long term investment for, you know, a team that's it's the Mahomes window. It's not the Tyree Kill window. Exactly. And I think honestly, Mitch, they just they lost to a better team and for the first time in a long time, uh, the Chiefs are the ones kind of being hunted here. The Bills are out for blood. The mm-hmm. Chiefs are the ones who have had the AFC championship go through Arrowhead, I think, the last six years. Uh I think it's four. I think four. Is it four? Yeah. Is it, yeah. And the thing so. is, and the thing with Mahomes too, I mean, look, like we can talk about that Cincinnati game with Tyreek Hill on the field. They couldn't block anybody, so it didn't mean anything in that second half. Mm-hmm. So you take it with what you will. That's why football's great. It's a great team sport. Um, and again, we're not like we're not <laughs> we're not doubting the Chiefs to even oh, win oh. this division given what we saw, especially on Monday night. <laughs> Man, oh my that was just I don't know what was worse. I think the Thursday night game was worse, but Monday night wasn't much better. So Monday was frustrating. Uh, I think Herbert set a record for most pass attempts without a touchdown. It was definitely the most in a long time. And I don't want to, you don't want to get into the excuse making uh, situation. If you were though, I think the injury situation and, and I guess not having a guy like Keenan Allen as a safety net and having a Bosa out on the defense, which has unfortunately become a theme isn't good for a team that you can say maybe should be getting better depth in their personnel to account for these injuries. So maybe the Chargers are just, you know, snake-bitten perennially with their injuries. Denver, I, I don't, I mean, I know they, they've dropped some linemen, but Denver has some big structural issues. And uh, I know Chargers won the game and, you know, they're up two in the win-loss column. But, but Denver is just the tougher team to watch of two tough teams to watch. Well, here's my pushback on the Chargers real quick, and albeit they won the game, but I will say this. Before the season started, the way we were talking about Herbert Mm -hmm. and the Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Herbert, kind of those four, Herbert does not really look like that this year. And I think with everything that you said about the injuries, the the snake biting, and yeah, they're four and two, Mm I just think you would expect that this team would just look a lot better because they got him. And I haven't seen that yet. And I think going forward, with all the injuries, 
You're 100% correct. But if Justin Herbert plays how we thought he was going to elevate from his rookie season, Mm -hmm. that should be able to be a deodorant for a lot of that. And like I said, they're four and two, Mm -hmm. but it ain't a clean four and two. No. And, and, but again, it's like you are what your record says you are. And if they survive the patch, there's a lot of teams that wish they were four and two right now. Right. Also don't know how he is. Cause remember, it's not that long ago from the rib injury. The rib. Yeah. So, uh, but look, like obviously both these teams can play a lot better, but, the Chargers have extra wins in their back pocket by hook or by crook. So, uh, when the the Broncos, I mean, I, we've said what we need to say about Russ. I think that goes without saying that maybe he's not healthy and, you know, there's issues. But I just don't know that they're putting him in great positions to succeed with the line, with the play calling, with the clock management. You know, they went to Latavius Murray. Melvin Gordon got benched. I, I just, I get it. And I get why it doesn't look good in Denver because you're on the hook for a huge quarterback contract. But... Lot to lot to be improved for Denver now two and four. Well, a ton to be improved, and you know, just to kind of push it forward a little bit, do we agree that Hackett will probably not have a job at the end of the year? I don't want to say I agree because, like, <laughs> I'm not saying it won't happen, but yeah. that's a that's a bit of a bold. Any one and done is not something I would immediately say. Yeah, sure, you know, it is, but it, but when you pay a guy this much money and it's seeming like you're tied to him for four years, which could be a horrible contract. If he continues to play like this, you have to make it everything but the quarterback seemingly. And it's not like he has a ton of time left in his prime. If he keeps going this way, that's the one job I think Sean Payton wouldn't take. (laughs) Oh, not at all. I don't think he would either, but I guess my, my, my point in saying all that is, is, they're stuck with Russell Wilson. And the thing is, when he was in Seattle, everything that we were saying that, you know, he was saying but not saying about what the offense was lacking, we thought they were going to get in yeah. Denver. It, it just and it just seems he like can't it's the ball down the field. No, he can't, but it just seems like that's more of a front office whiff. I mean, I Hackett's agree. got issues, believe me. I've we've talked about him, but yeah, um, a team that hadn't had a quarterback in a while and had so many good defense rosters, defensive players on rosters in the past, got aggressive and looks like they're going to pay the price. That said, that defense is ready, man. Like yeah. Sertan mm-hmm. looks like the man. Yeah. That said, though, there is one other coach right now. I know rules fired. Hackett's not doing good. There's one other coach that's disappointing me more, and you probably know who it is. <laughs> is it Kevin's defense? No, actually, no, it's not. He's disappointing <laughs> me too. But the one coach that I think has an even lower approval rate, rating than Hackett is Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, man. Because that's man. just Look, that's like you have, you're supposed to be the offensive guru, which, I mean, he went six and six at Texas Tech and got fired and then fired, failed upward. But that offense looks anemic and. I know they traded for Robbie Anderson. That's the act of a desperate man, I would say. But mm-hmm. what? How? How poor the Cardinals look at the one thing that he was supposed to be good at is just jarring, and that's one where I would be more confident he doesn't have a job. I know they're still I, two and four, and it's only one game out of first, but that's the one where I just can't see how it lasts. I agree, hundred percent. You know, Mitch, I'm not going to begin to think I know everything about mm-hmm. coaching, even a little bit. But I will say this, the more the most egregious thing about Cliff Kingsbury is in in these three years, he's refused to make any adjustments like they're still trying to run all these RPOs, all this air raid. They refuse to move Kyler around so he doesn't keep getting balls batted down. They won't go under center. And they just want to run this college offense. And he he's refused to adjust. And he's definitely going to lose his job. And I think whoever gets that job is going to be inheriting inheriting a lot of talent. Um, and not to take anything away from how horrible Kyler Murray's been playing, too, because right after Russell Wilson, that looks like a horrible deal, too. So yeah. the, they, they got a lot of questions to answer. And I think this will probably look different with Nuke Hopkins coming back. But you got to there, – there's I'm not trying to harp on – the, the short quarterback, but there's a reason why Drew Brees was the anomaly. And then we got Russell Wilson. Mm. These coaches also don't do these guys a favor 
and the schemes that they run, uh, put them under center, yeah. let them only work one half the field so they don't have to throw over these offensive linemen and defensive linemen with their hands up. It just, I don't understand it. I think if you watch that game, it was an ugly game, certainly, but Pete Carroll out coaching Kingsbury to a win, comparing the rosters, just basically says it all. Yep. And, I, and I also think that when you start to kind of compare the personnel groups and things you can do, it, it, it goes beyond just not calling good plays, not having a good scheme. I mean, there's so many delay games when you watch them play. There's disorganization. There's the timeout situation. Like, he just isn't a good NFL head coach, and I don't see that changing. So, um, no, not at all. regardless of what the situation is. All right, Ryan Soul's here on the Money Mitch Effect. Got to talk about your Eagles, man, 6-0. and Beat the Cowboys. A uh, Looked like it was on cruise control for a little bit, then got a little dicey, but they win that game. They get the, they get the divisional win, 26-17. Some breathing room there. Uh, for the Eagles' standpoint, came out like they have been doing all year, pretty much. I mean, great start. Hurts playing well, making all his reads. The defense was smothering. Uh, got dicey there, as I said at the end, but for the Eagles, 6-0 and and the schedule lightening up. I mean, it looks like the season is a Cinderella dream one for sure. Man, I can't tell you how happy I am to be 6-0 and and get that sixth win against uh, the Cowboys for sure. But, man, I'll tell you, I don't know what it is about how the team starts and then in the second half not being able to react to how – the defense is going to adjust to what they're doing on offense, but they definitely got to figure that out going forward, especially for the playoffs when they play better teams. Uh, but I really like how this team is performing. I love the defense, uh, the corner tandem slays looking like uh, maybe the best corner in football this year. And, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, this defense is so talented. We, we were talking about in the draft, how, uh, great Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean were, and we don't even hear their names a lot of the time. So I just I think that this team is loaded, and they're hard to game plan for just because of all the different ways they can run the ball and the play action off of that. But that this team still has some holes. There, it's a perfect record, not a perfect team for sure. But I, I'll take it, and I, I'm excited for what the future holds. And again, for the Cowboys, as we were talking beforehand, uh, they do come back, make it respectable. It kind of showed you that Cooper Rush is not going to be uh, the quarterback for a team with some serious aspirations. So they kind of put that controversy to bed. Start to see some Tony Pollard more often. I mean, Zeke and him together, I think he still can be a duo. Parsons mm -hmm. was big. I mean, really what changed in that game was Lane Johnson goes out and then Parsons just goes crazy. So I think... Hundred percent. But I will say, yeah. I will ask you this, and not to cut you off. Yeah. If Dak Prescott was playing in this game, do you think the Cowboys win? I mean, I would say no. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> Just based on like the the CD Lamb interception yeah, where he would, would, wide open, but he got hit. Does Dak let that go sooner? It's tough uh, to say. I mean, I definitely don't think they started out well in general. Yeah. I don't know that he. I don't know. That's a tough one, but I mean, that's a game that I don't know that I feel comfortable always playing. Like, well, you can swap out a certain player and see. So maybe it's definitely in right. the possibility. But um, you know, look. I mean, we were talking about this before. Like, how many good teams right now do you think there are in the NFL? I mean, probably what Bills, Chiefs, Eagles. I mean, you got three. Might, you don't want to put the might, five and one Vikings in there. <laughs> Man, because like just, I, I understand you know, that I understand the hesitancy. I to, I mean, but then if we're gonna put the Vikings in, we have to put the Giants in also, and maybe Dallas because what you know, two yeah. losses, and this was, yeah. I mean, it's it's slim pickings. I think it's fair. Like my answer to that would be, I think it's fair to put, I think it's fair to put the Vikings in there, and maybe even the Giants right now. I mean, we're not also doing this forecasting. You know, we're just doing it as right, right now, because I would still say, and that that segues to the other thing. I mean. Tampa loses to the Steelers. The Packers lose to the Jets. I mean, these are bad losses. I mean, I guess the Jets are playing better. The Bucks got beat by the Steelers. Pickett got injured. Trubisky came in and beat Tom Brady. So say what you want about what you think this team's capable of. He's done it before. Brady this and that. I respect him as the GOAT for sure. But they are not in a good place right now. And I don't know. Both these teams have issues. And I just think that in, in terms of, you know, these quarterbacks that have a sustained excellence, a standard, it's just not being met at all right now. 
it's not. And for the Bucks, just to start, I got to give credit to Michael Lombardi. You know, I'm a big fan of his. And he brought up something, you know, with Tom Brady specifically. This team doesn't have, like, you look at the roster, when everybody's healthy, they may be quote-unquote loading on offense, but they don't have all the things that Tom likes to be successful on offense. He likes to work the middle of the field, and he wants a tight end. He wants a nickelback, like a James White sort of guy, and then he wants a slot receiver. And he really doesn't have any of that right now. Uh, combined with the offensive line play being not that great at all, uh, he's looking 45 because he's taking some punishment for sure. But I just he's not being being able to play offense like he wants to play offense. And then real quick for the Steelers, and I know you're going to hate to to hear this, but man, Mike Tomlin, every time we doubt the guy, <laughs> he just pulls one of these out and just continues to just solidify why. He, he is a Hall of Fame coach. It speaks to the reason why that franchise has had three coaches in the amount of time, what, 60 years, 50 years. And I just think that a lot of these teams, you can tell who's tried to build a roster and just seeing when they can insert that quarterback at the right time and who's well coached. And I think right now Tomlin mm-hmm. outcoached bowls but they got a lot of issues i mean that's what they've done they they win games as live underdogs now my counter to that as a Steeler hater would be that they've lost a lot of games that they've been favored at but no he's great he's great as an underdog i mean he knows how to get the boys going in the locker room um Mm -hmm. yeah they have issues i mean the packers issue it's it's a young offense that's devoid of the proven skill guys so far i mean you see it with the drops and you see it with guys not lined up and you know it reminds me of Ironically enough, the Patriots, when before they kind of got the, you know, the post-Randy Moss run, post-Welker, before kind of Edelman stepped in and they were able to kind of upgrade the receiver position where Brady just didn't have guys. So I don't know if that's fixable. I, I, again, I'm with you with the Vikings. Like, they're good now, but I don't know if it's sustainable. Someone's going to have mm-hmm. to step up. I mean, the Rams are 3-3, three and three and they really can't block anybody, and they don't, you know, they had a running back situation with Akers gone. The Niners lost to, the, to a frisky Falcons team. I mean, we have to find other teams than just the Eagles and maybe Cowboys. So someone's going to have to step up. Yeah, somebody's going to have to step up. I I kind of expected this from the Rams just after uh, that week one beatdown that the Bills served them. I just didn't expect that. And then that really just set the tone. With the Packers, I think, I guess, my and I'm not, I'm not necessarily calling this a pushback, but, man, Aaron Rodgers has just not played well. And I, I get that you guys got you got guys dropping balls. I, I completely understand that, but he, this guy, just won back to back MVPs. And I understand you lose Devonte Adams, um, what that does. But you you would have to think that this offense would look a little bit different. And you put some of that on the floor too. Trying they're trying to run probably the same thing, mm-hmm. thinking. They could just run the system and not adjust the system, knowing that they lost, you know, arguably the best receiver in football. And I think that's showing right now. It's it's not looking good. Uh, I, I yeah, I agree with all that. I mean, props to the Jets though. Sauce Gardner looks like a player. I mean, they haven't even yeah. gotten yeah. great quarterback play, but they're just doing it and they're buying into solid. These in mean, New York, New York landed these coaching hires. It seems like. They did. And, you know, I didn't believe in Salah just because he came from that Pete Carroll scheme that I think is outdated. But he uh, he knows how to coach. He seems like he's a leader of men. And I, I love seeing the big boys eat and Quentin Williams looking good. Mm-hmm. Big mm-hmm. Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence for the Giants looking good. So, no, it's good to see the NFL is just better when these teams are good. He's also crazy, which helps too. Uh, the story oh, I had heard. The sto- yeah, the sto- he's, he's diesel out there, man. The story I had heard from from uh, someone that was with the Jaguars uh, organization when Sal was like the linebackers coach was that yeah. he would put cleats on at practice and jump in drills. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, not sure. so there you go. Um, that said, the Giants we mentioned it. Dable, they get another win over the. They, they can beat the Ravens five and one, and, and yeah, an impressive five and one. With you, look at who they've beaten, but. They win late again. Dable has been an amazing hire, one of the few I've gotten right in my predictions. 
And Wink Martindale, yep. again, another guy who's stepping in defensively. The schemes, how he disguises stuff's great. This one had to feel special, especially because he knew this offense in and out, and he did a great job, a master class, in uh, how to game plan against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Yeah, they're doing a great job. And, I mean, this, this team, I, I don't know how they're going to look in the playoffs, uh, continuing, you know, um, you know, basically thinking that they're going to continue with the same pace. But Dayball and Martindale have just impressed me, especially Brian Dayball, just what they've done with this, getting squeezing the most juice possible they can out of this fruit and – it's been really cool to see. And going right over to the Ravens, though, they could use Don Wink Martindale right now because for all the star power and all the names that they have on these on this defense, they can't stop anybody. And they need some sort of scheme to help Lamar Jackson on so they can play some complimentary football because he's cooled off from how he started the season. But some of the leads that he's given these teams with the leads that he get with the giants, he was up on Miami. You're supposed to have a defense that should be able to at least keep you in the game. And so Lamar doesn't have to continue to be Lamar Jackson every series. I, I hear you. I hear you, team. but this one felt different. Like I watched those other games and this one was, this was a terrible interception. It you was. Know? And when you, when you're up by three, and then again, another was a great play by Thibodeau, who's going to be a beast. It looks like they nailed that, that draft pick. But mm-hmm. there is something to be said for the fact that they just can't hold these leads. And I don't know if it's the style that they play. I don't know if it's, like you said, the defense that just keeps breaking down in big moments. That's part of it. But the offenses have certainly cooled off at the end of these games too. So something to kind of be said for that in a division that's kind of up for grabs. I mean, Look, I mean, the Bengals have had moments where they've looked weak. That was a huge get-right game for the offense. I know they still have their flaws, but seeing Burrow and Chase and Mixon and, and, you know, Higgins all clicking on all cylinders again in a building where they know all too well was uh, pretty exciting. Right, and when you can protect Burrow and and block everything up, that offense looks great, but when Zach Taylor decides to put his thinking cap on and go out and empty, Mm -hmm. you're going to get a dude killed. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. I just think you got to protect him and that division. I mean, that Browns Patriots game was just so sad. I, I obviously Belichick is going to out coach and get motivated for that game and and take away the strength and which is the running game. But it was just the other side of the ball, Ryan. And, and I'm I'm critical of Stefanski. There's issues. I think there's things he can improve. I am mindful of the fact that he's working with a backup quarterback and all this stuff. But the defensive side of the ball is so gross. I don't know how Woods is still the D.C. Uh, they seemingly get worse every single week, and uh, I just don't know. I, I, that's that's what my takeaway is. Like, And, and Billy Zappi, great, whatever, quarterback, you know, might, might be something to him. He might end up being the guy. I'm not particularly scared of what the weapons are on the Patriots. They have a great power running game, but just abused them, just flat-out abused them the entire game. And uh, – you know, that's the part where it's very frustrating as a Browns fan watching what the defense has kind of deteriorated to. I agree 100%. And just one thing that I don't know if you've noticed this, but it just bothers me. As great as Miles Garrett is, why do they only line him up at right end? Why don't they move him around, get him on a mismatch? Because he should be wrecking these games. And with, with the roster that they have on defense, especially in the back end, you know how much I like Denzel Ward. They should be so much better on defense to your point. And I just don't understand why they don't move miles Garrett around. You know, it's just, it's tough, but they won't make a personnel change. So here we are. Uh, not, not that I'm completely heartbroken. Cause when you start with your starting quarterback out for 11 games, you kind of have to temper expectations. Um, you do. All right. Ryan souls here on the money Mitch effect. Let's wrap by looking at, uh, some games this week, games for week seven already jumping ahead. Uh, Saints Cardinals has the feel of, uh, you know, win or go home early. I know it's a lot to be said on Thursday, but loser of this one, I mean, I would be very, very pessimistic for their future going forward. Yeah, I would be too. And I mean, this sounds like if Arizona loses, it might be over for Cliff Friday morning. Um, you got that, um, that Matt rule firing. So all the money via text, uh, obviously if I can get one, if they lose this game. 
But I just, you know what, man? At this bigger picture, the last two weeks, Thursday night games have just not been good. And this one is feeling like that's going to continue that trend. I'm not excited about that, but it's football. Al Michaels just, I mean, losing his mind more and more each game. But he's well compensated, so that's good at least. Uh, Not exactly, not excited about my Browns defensive take as they go to play the Ravens. But Baltimore, a game where all the pressure will be on them that they have to close out. So, Yeah, and and this is at home that they, you would think they would be favored at home. And so Mm -hmm. you're right, all the pressure's on them. I think this is going to be close in the end. I think you guys got a chance. Could always run the ball on them. That Nick Chubb's had some great games against Baltimore, so there's that <laughs> factor. Just stop throwing the ball with Jacoby Brissett in the final minutes of the fourth quarter because I just <laughs> he throws interceptions. That's what he does. Yeah. Uh, some other games that stand out to me, I just want to mention. Not exactly what I would call the best slate going forward, uh, with some bias weeks mixed in there. I mean, could the Jets actually beat the Giants in Denver? If that happens, I think we've really got to readjust our trajectory for these teams. Yeah, I mean, I do think the Jets got a good chance to beat the Broncos, especially if Russell Wilson isn't as healthy or as gimpy and really can't move at all. He hadn't really been moving a ton this year, but if he if he's even less mobile, I think that could be a big problem. Uh, another interesting game that, by record, you wouldn't think, but the Giants in Jacksonville. I think the I think the Jaguars are this up and down team. You, you know, know the, the, you know the Jaguars are favored in that game. I'm glad you I brought know, it up. Oh, and the in the first two games, Trevor Lawrence looked like okay, this was all on Urban Meyer, and now he we we, we really don't know. So I'm curious to see how Doug Peterson is going to have them ready to play, and I think this game could be sneaky close. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm picking the Jaguars, yeah, but. I, I think that could be sneaky close. He's not, Doug's done a good job down there, I think. I mean, yeah. you know, it's year one, whatever. I mean, um, nowhere to put up. Yeah, but up. Oh, yeah, exactly. Two sneaky teams that we just all laughed at early and might have to eat our words, at least for one of them. Colts, Titans. I mean, Titans are three and two, three straight wins. Colts, three, two, and one. I mean, so we're getting to a point where one of these teams is going to be, you know, in first place in the division after this. And, you know, I don't. I, I really do like Vrabel as a coach because I think a lot of what we make, what we've you know put down and kind of criticized, has been roster moves that haven't made sense, like giving Tannehill all that money and you know AJ Brown and all that stuff. But I think Vrabel in game, players play for him regardless of what the situation is. Definitely, he always has his team ready to play too. I think he's one of the best coaches in football. I just think that the window on this team is closed strictly because the bell cow running back is just mm-hmm. hitting carry limit and it yeah. happens to all the great ones. He's the, um, probably the best running back since Adrian Peterson. Yep. And he, uh, I just think has hit that limit on his carries and that's how Tennessee was able to be so mm-hmm. strong. But I think because they're so well coached, they will compete for the division for sure. Well, the Monday night game, you know, the primetime games aren't great. You have Steelers, Dolphins on Sunday, Mondays, Bears, and Patriots. Uh, does Fields even complete 10 passes against the Belichick defense? Probably not. Not at all. I, I think Belichick's going to torture him, man. Poor kid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the other game to watch would be Chiefs-Niners in the late window. The Niners, um, you know, three-point underdogs at home, lost last week. Can they bounce back? I like D'Amico Ryans. I think that's a future NFL head coach. But this is a tough task, especially a pissed-off Chiefs team coming off of a loss. 100%. San Francisco just got to hope to keep it close, and we'll see what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo Mm -hmm. late game. I will mention this, though, real quick, and this isn't necessarily an analytical take, but I am curious and scared at the same time to see what happens with the Tua Tagovailoa cycle uh, this coming, or saga this coming uh, Sunday, if he plays against Pittsburgh. And if he plays just going forward and, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy, but I'm just, yeah. I'm interested, but I'm, I'm just scared to see that too. I mean, it seems like he's already out of the protocol. So I would kind of expect him to, to play. Um, We'll see what happens there. I think for the Chiefs Niners, the time of possession is going to be huge for the Niners. They have to run the ball and just keep the Chiefs offense off the field. But I think we can end with the NFL with this, Ryan. It's like maybe the answer is just play Mahomes in every primetime window you can. Yeah, I mean, that's what you got to do. I mean, this is – we talk about, I think, every era 
I think we were in college. We talked about that era as the golden era quarterbacks because we had Brady and Manning and Breeze. But this really is, I don't know if this is the golden era, but there are a lot less bad quarterbacks compared to past eras. I'm not saying that these quarterbacks are as great as the former greats, but there are a lot less bad quarterbacks than in years past, and that's just great for football. Well, Ryan Souls, this has been a blast talking football with you again. Uh, last thing, how do you feel about your basketball team and the $47 million bench guy? Man, listen, I I hate <laughs> that I'm having to stay up for this West Coast game just to watch them get their asses beat, but I'm going to stay up and watch it. Uh, I just hope Anthony Davis walks out of the game healthy. And um, that's all I got for you, man. <laughs> well, they're always a trade contender. That's true, although... Their current star wants to play for a friend, wants to own an expansion team in Vegas. So probably not what you'd want to hear for the long-term health of the, the franchise, but it'd be exciting, man. It's exciting to see what comes back and how it works out. But Ryan Souls, thanks for joining the program. Thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. We'll be back talking football soon. Man, I appreciate you. Big thanks to both guests, Tom Weisenbach and Ryan Souls, for appearing on the program. That's it for this week's Money Mitch Effect episode. If you like the episode, we can be found on all your podcast platforms, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, to name a few. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page for exclusive content and more. I'm on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. Next week, there'll be more discussion of pro and college football. A lot of baseball talk as well and hockey season going. The Jackets winning a close one last night with Johnny Gaudreau getting a goal. Uh, some surprises in the NHL so far. The Buffalo Sabres looking good. Vegas rebounding. The Flyers undefeated with Coach John Tortorella. A lot of news and notes in the world of hockey and other sports. We'll have that all covered for you next week and beyond here on the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening. Once again, my name is Mitch Michaels. Keep enjoying sports.